Hello and welcome to the Third Eye View podcast. I'm your host, Spoken Third, and today I have a very special guest, Advait from Mumbai. How are you, Advait? How are you? I'm totally fine and relaxed. Thank you. Thank you for inviting for the podcast. No, no problem at all. So, Advait, I saw you over Instagram and I was so inspired by sound therapy and the yoga that you do and teach. But before we get into all that, um, I would like to hear your journey. How did you meet your master and how did you get into doing sound therapy, etc.? Uh, yes, surely. So I never imagined in my life that I would be delving into the art of spirituality or sound therapy. Since my childhood, I was learning the art of classical vocals, the Indian classical vocals, basically. And... From my childhood, I was completely devoted to my music. And it was an integral part of my life in which I started to perceive the world in terms of sound and vibrations. So the part of vibrations or the music was inside me, the creative aspect. And when I started to move on with my academics, uh, the academics basically uh, didn't give me the satisfaction that I was looking for the contentment or the purpose, the calling that we all are, like each and every human being is looking out for. And it was not actually coming out from myself. Mm. And that is where I started to explore more in terms of what music can be shared with the people. Mm. So from the classical music, I started to perform as a, a performing artist, as an electronic musician, as a DJ. And in, even in that aspect, it was not giving me the contentment because I was touring around here in India. I was I was thinking in my perception, I was thinking that actually I'm helping people. I'm making them laugh. I'm making them dance on the beats and the mm. rhythmic music. But then I saw the real picture that, okay, they are enjoying. But afterwards, it's nothing to a great extent, the contribution that I was looking for through the mm. music and through the sound. So during my engineering studies, I took a pause. I took a pause in my music as well. And I started to seek the silence within because the kind of a noise that I was getting surrounded with, the inner confusion, which was, you know, disturbing me. And then the inner contentment, which was not getting established within. So that shifted me to seek the silence mm. and the moment i started seeking i started being very authentic with myself that is how i found my spiritual master guru that is what we call in uh, the in the spiritual terms the one who brings us onto the path and it was a very coincidental event like i didn't think of even searching the term sound therapy or music therapy because since my childhood, as I was learning the classical music, I knew that the sound and the music has capacities to transform the consciousness, to transform our physiological, psychological well-being. But I never even thought of searching the term sound therapy. Mm. And the moment I searched the term sound therapy, that is how I found uh, my master. I still remember the date. It was February 16, 2018. And... On the 17th and 18th of February, he was conducting a masterclass in Pune, which is in mm. Maharashtra. And without even thinking, it was a magnetic pull. Something within was telling me that you should go, you should go and do that. You should go and surrender there. And that is how my journey into the spirituality, uh, the aspect of Nath Yoga and sound therapy started with him. So Amazing. It was a transition from being, uh, you know, like a computer scientist, like an engineer to DJ to now uh, meditation teacher, Ayurveda teacher. Amazing. That's such a beautiful journey. And I think uh, you said so many amazing things within what you just said about seeking the silence. And is that, do you think, because you were surrounded by so much music and noise that, you still felt empty within that and then you found like silence to be quite a profound experience yes so when we talk about the spiritual journey of one uh, individual being mm. uh, there are two aspects that which i have found one is that you get 
to the low spectrum in which you are surrounded with the noise confusion guilt or you can say the lower spectrum of emotion mm. lower spectrum of uh, vibrations and then suddenly there is a kind of a leap of faith which happens and then you start to seek the silence and the other spectrum is that you become so rich you become so you know uh, getting getting into the limelight you mm. get the success that you are looking for you get the tons and tons of money and then you realize you are still empty mm. and and from that point uh, like it's a great example like many actors artists have hit that point like for an example jim carrey mm. so he was suddenly at the peak of his success and then realized it's not it what mm. i was doing in my life till now and that is what he quotes uh, i like he quotes that all the people should get the success fame money that they are looking for and then still realizing that they are not happy within so these are the two spectrums which i think which will help one person to seek the path towards their own self and for me it was the lower path <laughs> in which i was surrounded with all the kind of a lower vibrations the guilt which i was carrying uh, the kind of a depressive phase i can call it as mm. or the sad phase which i was going through and when we talk about the scriptural aspect that is what the gita refers to us as the vishada yoga Mm. so even when we refer to the path of the uh, buddha so in mm. if he didn't saw the suffering he wouldn't have become into the he wouldn't have become an enlightened master so for me it was the lower spectrum that that's so interesting because um living in the west and having lived in the west my whole life and even in india like our the whole idea of life is to search for that fame that that money the the status uh, the big houses and that is the road that we all put on as children you know that's when we go to school that's all we are that's what our education is for for you to get to a place where you can afford all these things but there's nothing that's there about fulfillment or happiness or contentment and do you think the part of yoga um it is that path but do you think we need to access it more to children and more to in the education centers as well and how are you doing that yes so here there are two aspects which i would like to share mm. one thing yes we can uh, share a great amount of awareness and integrate the the path of the yoga and the entire yogic science into the education aspect but the thing is unless and until that seeking doesn't come mm. it will still be faded to us through the means of information and knowledge and nowadays this has been happening the uh, around the world people are into the trend of doing yoga or doing meditation or doing the scriptural knowledge instead of happening to them so all these things when we refer to the path of spirituality it is in the happening domain mm. in which it is a part of the revelation and it still needs the kind of a gurukul system in which uh it is not about you surrendering to a physical person or a physical existence existential identity it is about the qualities which inherited that you inherit in the presence of the master mm. like the seeking the surrenderance then the sharan like the sharan bhav that we talk about then the swikar bhav which is the acceptance so even though we integrate all the yogic science into the normal education system some part will still be inaccessible and nowadays what happens if we give the children the this divine knowledge in the format of the education which has been given to them they will not experience the divinity so there are two aspects yes some part of course there should be uh, awareness which has to be given to the younger generation but at the same time some part should be left out to their own so that they they should seek they should find their own path so that uh, the guru comes to them automatically that is what in our parampara uh, we follow the path of the vedanta mm. and the gyanottar bhakti from the nath sampradaya so we belong to this nath lineage of guru shishya parampara and in this uh, santanayaneshwar maharaj is our you can call it as the adi devata for us 
mm. we follow his uh, experiential philosophy from gnaneshwari which is the first ever translation in marathi language from gita so what he says in that is guru bhete apecha so when the student is ready the master comes to you automatically so two answers are there in in this a de- very delicate difference it should be given as well but at the same time kinchit that is what we refer thoda thoda mm. some small amount should be given and the bigger chunk should be left out for them to seek out that's that's so interesting because it's so true um yoga classes are now uh, for fitness you know a meditation is for releasing anxiety and even though these two um they can you of course yoga can improve your fitness and meditation can calm anxiety and and help in depression etc etc but it isn't the main goal of either of these two uh methods or techniques or uh philosophies if you want to put it that way and um it's so true because if we give 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 and uh, no one wants then you're kind of just giving for the sake of giving and that seeking is so important i feel and as you said the two spectrums of seeking when from the lower end when you're in a depression state or when you're in a higher end and then you realize that actually the world is empty um that comes from experience you know that comes from living life and um and being in the world and and actually observing and seeing and i think even for myself um when i was going through university and i had to make a decision about what i wanted to do in my career um i did mathematics so it was quite easy for everybody to go into the finance world but i never felt that to be fulfilling i never felt that to 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 fill me up as a person and uh i always saw wealth as a, a consequence rather than a purpose you know the acquiring of wealth and so what that fulfillment is that to seeking fulfillment is that how you would describe spirituality to seek fulfillment yeah before coming to that aspect i would like to add because when sure. you were mentioning about uh, give 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 here the thing is what i have observed uh, in my academic uh, path is that i never i take it all for granted so that is how the 99% of mentality is with any generation around the world mm. for any parents or for any child it's not their fault it's no one's fault basically but it is like for your spiritual path you have to sacrifice something or the other mm. or else it will not come to you but if we start to impart it in normal education without even giving the significant to that divine knowledge or the that that divine pursuit uh people will start to take it for granted and nowadays mm. that has what that has been the trend which we see so spirituality is about you getting awakened mm. and then the contentment the objectives of the yoga the objectives of the meditation are the outcome of it so it is about you getting awakened awakened is nothing but you start to live the life at your conscious awareness in the sense that this body is not the is not me and the mind is also not me so i am not the body i am not the body mind and i am not the doer mm. so this spiritual path is nothing but you realizing that i am not this genetic blueprint i am not this karmic bandhans the karmas that we get from the ancestral heritage from the karmas that we create are our own in this lifetime the events that we go through the traumatic events that each and every person goes through these are nothing but the accumulations mm-hmm. the avaran the dirt which we can call it as or the noise in terms of frequency so spirituality is nothing but you eradicating all the dirt clearing out all the noise around so that the pure consciousness can be experienced all the time mm-hmm. so it's the eternal uh, eternal tatva or the eternal vibration in which we can enjoy the life's peak as well as the life's down path in which you are completely stable you are grounded this body is grounded this mind is grounded and you experience life at a very neutral stage at a very equanimous quality and in that equanimous quality the joy is a function it's it's a natural function of mm. uh, the neutrality state 
and there the knowledge which is required for you the opportunities which is required for you the kind of relationships that are required for you they automatically come to you and that is why we refer our path the path of bodh marga as the effortless path of self realization because once you go into this ease path everything becomes very effortless it becomes very simple now mm. but nowadays people have the habit to to actually create sufferings <laughs> and to create complexity in life so that is what the ego or the mind's uh, function is so one part is where you realize that i am not this doer i am not this body mm. i am not this mind and i am not all this dirt which is surrounded i am not all the programming which has been happening since so many lifetimes and then once your eyes are opened like uh, the podcast name itself is third eye <laughs> so once that that divine dimension is opened within us life becomes a joy it becomes a joy in which you become a gift to this entire world mm. no so that spirituality has many parts so one part is where you become awakened you realize that i am not the doer you start to experience the consciousness within and then you become a gift to this entire vibration that sounds um heavenly and i think the way you explained it was really beautiful thank you and even when i'm speaking to you now you're you're so calm and you're so zen like i feel like this is a meditation session instead of a conversation um that's that's so beautiful i think there's so much because obviously like uh being in a spiritual path myself i've had to ask a lot of questions about who am i right like am i this body am i the person speaking to you now or is there something within myself that's knowing this if you want to put it that way on the consciousness is it separate to the body and i've gone on to my own exploration and i've come to my own conclusions but a lot of people in the world would would say that no this body is me right like the body that this 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 is who i am you know like these thoughts are my thoughts these uh i am the doer who is doing it if i'm not the doer right so how do you if if that question happens to you while you're teaching how how would you uh, tackle that question yes uh, that's a beautiful question altogether and it will help many people who are actually uh, looking for the answer so here our life itself is an offering when mm. we were discussing about the path of spirituality it is it is incomplete it is 100% incomplete without the presence of the master without the presence of a living guru and the moment i realize for me it is what we teach in the bodhmarga foundation that the moment you get into the doership the moment you realize that okay something is happening and i am crediting myself as the doer the moment i realize that i offer everything to the guru's grace i offer everything to to the lotus feet of the master because the guru's energy or the guru tatva mm-hmm. it is basically not a person it is not a lineage but it is the vibrations the collective vibrations of the guru mm-hmm. it is the collective vibrations or the collective consciousness of the guru's presence in which all the masters are vibrating at the same frequency mm-hmm. so the moment we offer everything that we do in our life maybe the function of the bodies that we perform the relationships that we are in the money that we are earning the wealth that we are creating the health which i am you know embodied with the good health the bad health if mm-hmm. we start to offer everything to the lotus feet of the master something internally changes and that that energy which gets graced by or the energy mm-hmm. which happens as a part of the energy transfer the moment you offer it your power is within you then mm. then it is not about you getting uh, attached with the karmas you detach with the karmas so even though uh, you are doing the action people will still pursue that this body is doing the action but internally you are situated in this realization that i am not the doer it's all with the guru's grace so yeah. that itself cuts the karmas and that itself cuts all the sufferings and this is the shortest path in a way which uh, is there so it's all the guru's grace it's all the 
paramparas which help all the individual beings to go ahead with the life no i again having a guru in my life um and being in the ashram and having close relationships and proximity to him i completely understand exactly what you were saying you know like um it's you when you uh, for me the most important part of having a guru in your life is somebody that can actually live that perfect life and then you can observe it you know it's not just in the scripture it's not just a story it's observable it's present it's in front of you you know like everything that the master says is what he is doing there's no uh like sometimes i would say one thing and do something completely opposite there's no contradiction when the master is in front of you and that's been such a learning experience for me you know that the ability to observe somebody at the highest level of consciousness and then you then that can that that for me is the the biggest benefit that obviously it's the conversations it's the learning it's the it's the satsangs it's the the bhakti it's the the vibration and i think we keep uh, you mentioning vibration a lot and i think that's it's it's so true um when you're around that energy all of a sudden you feel light you feel happy <laughs> you haven't even done anything and you feel peaceful and content and i've cried so effortless effortlessly in his company and i would never have been able to cry in anybody else's company like that in my entire life so i want to speak about the vibration aspect of it as well because i know you do sound therapy so is that trying to change the vibrations within a human being and how does that actually work yes yes so sound therapy or the nad yoga is basically uh indian science altogether it's coming it's it's a part of the spanda shastra which is coming from the shaivism mm. which it's basically a tantric science and it has its roots in ayurveda as well so when we refer to the sound therapy or the vibrations now the quantum science and the physics tells us that we this body or this entire matter is nothing but the vibration mm. everything every atom from the smallest unit to the biggest uh, you, you can say the object is vibrating at a certain frequency and the similar case is happening with this system so if our vibrations are not aligned to what we do what we speak what this internal organ should do then there is a misalignment then there is a disorder in which the correct order is not there Mm. so we start to be in disease which is the opposite of ease mm. so similarly what sound therapy or you can see the singing bowls that we have this is actually a siddha tool mm-hmm. nowadays it has been called as the tibetan singing bowl or the himalayan singing bowl but it's not from the tibet or the himalaya it is basically coming again from the lineage of nad yoga Mm. so what it simply does it eradicates the surrounding negative vibrations the misalignment of frequencies that we have from the physiological the psychological levels so that you can access the true form of meditation nowadays when we sit like nowadays when people do yoga or meditation first of all it's not to be done it should happen to you mm. but even if we start doing it nothing wrong about it but when we start doing that our body suddenly starts to ache when we are in a meditation suddenly there is a back pain or suddenly <laughs> there is a discomfort in our anxiety levels so we are not ready for the true meditation mm. or the true path of the yoga so the sound therapy is simply the prerequisite so that our vibrations are clean we are into the state of purity so that we can begin to receive the true knowledge there is and of course it has its outcome like if we right now see many research about the sound the vibrational therapy the acoustic it has the benefit on the disease that we have generally mm. the chronic ailments the mental and emotional imbalances that nowadays 95% of people are facing it's all because of mm. the hidden stress and the fear every time we are into the fight or light response either we are into the fear or we start to run away from the particular event or situation mm. but that was necessary in the 
prehistoric times that was necessary in the earlier civilizations when we were in the jungles yeah. when the suddenly a wild animal comes we need to have the fight and flight response yeah. of our nervous system but nowadays it is not necessary but still that part of the limbic system and the nervous system is still there within us mm. which is necessary for our survival but we are making it for the entire life we yeah. have replaced it with all the things so this this aspect of sound therapy is very divine form it is for you to get awakened it is for you to change the energies within and the prerequisite or the basic form which can be benefited to the body which can be benefited to the mind can be seen oh wow so that yeah. sounds um like it should be for everybody right like that sounds like it's, it's yeah it's even for, like we have also seen like animals getting benefited mm-hmm. uh, out of the sound therapy because they are more you know in response with the vibrations around even uh, there is a hospital in thailand yeah. which is especially a sound therapy hospital for elephants oh wow so people around the world are doing some great experiments and contribution with the sound therapy not only for the humans but as well for uh, the animals as well because part and parcel it is our responsibility if we are going spiritually mm. is our responsibility that how we build a conscious planet instead of giving all the suffering because if we see the corona times the mm. lockdown times it is nothing but one reflection is there that we have not been treating our earth the correct way mm. so yeah so it is for everybody for every age for every human being can be benefited out of this Yo, thank thank you so much for describing that um i feel like i i feel like i want to do it now i want to have some sessions of sound therapy but um I, just on the actually the last thing that you said about um the fact that animals could benefit from it and coronavirus it seems that we haven't been looking after our planet well for the last i don't even know how many years you know you can say 100 150 200 maybe even longer and what i found is since i've been brought up jane in a jane household we have such a understanding that nature and us are exactly equal like there has never been a time when there's been oh, like an insect is seen as equal to me like i've always been told to or shown how to respect it not kill it let it live it's got its own life and there's no difference between me and the insect just for, just because i'm a human being does it make me better and i think a lot of the dharmic indian indic philosophies have the same attitude and it seems that we have a now more than ever when we're talking about sustainability when we're talking about food and diets um the indian i say the dharmic philosophies are already used to having this kind of conversation so how do we um and this is something that i struggle with how do we um translate our dharmic knowledge into a western world where everything's about consumption everything's about using things and uh and nothing is really about me and the environment being the same so how would you tackle this massive ecological problem that we're facing correct correct so it starts with the individual being mm. even if you want to work at the larger scale it starts with the individual being so that is why in our entire scriptural uh, you can say the uh, the knowledge it has been focused around the individual being nowhere it has been mentioned that okay you should do the charity you should do the seva first it tells us to go within and to do the self seva mm. it, what it says is be a swarthi person it means that so earth that you realize the the self first and then it automatically translates to all the people around because mm. once you start to become self established you start to become the conscious uh, example of conscious living when the eternal awareness is always there you are experiencing the consciousness within what happens is the state of advaita comes to you naturally mm. when we move into the path of this bodh which is the it is the sanskrit name for awareness so when we start to move towards this we get into the realization that everyone every being is nothing but a reflection of myself mm. even this small insect to the biggest planet it is nothing but me 
which is the I am state. Mm. So once that happens to you, you will automatically be conscious enough mm. to not hurt others. Will be automatically conscious enough that every business or every transaction that you do, involving money or relationships or even communication, it is an expression of giving. It is mm. an expression of seva, and not just consumption. Not just the, uh, you can say the paradigm in which all the negation is getting reflected. Automatically, mm. once your consciousness is getting evolved, you will automatically shift. towards a positive spectrum of life in which your vibrations are kind of a gift to the people well first it is a gift to the self because once we are not settled in like within our own self the suffering is there it's mm-hmm. 100% there the suffering is continuous even for a small child even for a adult and even for an old age people it is there but once we are into this state of conscious living the suffering turns out to be a gift for the self then the suffering is eliminated even for the families because if we are not a content person we will start to bother we will start to bug we will start to complain we will start to resist each and every mm-hmm. function of life not just for the self but even for our family for our community our society and then towards the planet and mm. here and this itself translates that we are not in tune or we are not in tune with the prakriti which is the nature itself mm. so once we boil down to the conscious journey to the self instead of focusing on the mass and transformation of every individual being at least in every person at least in every home this will translate that a more conscious families are getting generated mm. more conscious society is getting generated a better civilization is altogether getting produced and this itself will create a positive shift in the environment a positive shift where everybody is into the service instead of a job everybody mm. is into the aspect of contribution instead of consumption so that shift has to happen because nowadays um people nowadays what people are doing if they want to get in a relationship they first study the transactions okay this person is this amount of you know this amount of money he has he or she has she looks beautiful or he looks handsome okay then only i decide to be in a relationship instead of focusing on the true love instead of mm. focusing on the the connection the deeper connection with a soul altogether so there are many aspects to be done but individual transformation of consciousness is what needed the most no i think that's so true and this is something that i have conversations with as well because i used to work for a charity and they always used to tell me that we need big policy change in governments and this and i said yeah that's that's true we do need those things but unless you don't transform individuals essentially those things are just lip service and people's attitudes and the way they see the world who still remain the same you know you can change as many laws as you want if somebody is still seeing the world that same way what's really changed and it's a very long it's a longer process but it's a it's it's a process that's the only one that is sustainable you know if you want to have the earth and the planet to remain rich and full then you need individuals to be rich and full and i think that's what you were speaking about about the sadhana aspect right like the self service the internal practices and i think this is something that i'm have been moving through for the last few years of my life is um not needing things from people because i'm self sustainable you know like having the not needing appreciation or love or or uh just people to praise me you know because i'm in a state of complete happiness within myself and that is the self love aspect really and that is something that i feel is lacking hugely in the world right now where again we feel ourselves from so much of the external world that we don't even know ourselves or we don't even know how to love ourselves you know and what are the steps that you have taken to really love yourself because even the way that i'm speaking to you now i feel like this is a you're you're completely giving to me without needing anything from me and it's such a beautiful conversation 
So how how have you, what steps have you taken to truly love yourself? Yes, yes. That's a beautiful question altogether because uh, every, every human being itself is longing for the love. Mm. Is basically longing for the sukh that we call. But instead of getting the sukh, they are actually getting the dukh. Yeah. It is the suffering itself. Yeah. And if we take a survey of all the human beings on this planet, that do you want to give sukh or dukh to the people or to the world? They will tell, I want to give sukh only. I want to be mm. happiness only. But, but unconsciously, they are actually giving the disturbed vibrations. So if we want to move really towards the Ananda state, the unconditional compassion state, the state of you being eternally loving with your own self and to the people around, the first step itself that you become a female. It's not about you changing your gender, but you become, you tune yourself to the vibrations of this three because the, the divine feminine or mm. when we move to the path of the spirituality, the qualities of become more spirituality, the feminine aspect. It's it's with the feminine form. So the masculine energy is nothing but you going out, you serving the outward world or the objectives. And the part of the feminine aspect is that you go inward, you go within. So you when you start to become more to the qualities of feminine, the love starts to come automatically. Mm. And then the next step is with the mother, being a mother, being an unconditional love. The expression of unconditional love is with only and only with a mother. That is what we call in our path as the Mauli Tattva. Mauli is a Marathi word for a mother. All the saints, all the gurus are actually vibrating at the frequency of Mauli, the mother. When we when you sit beside a true master, mm. uh, authentic guru you will start to feel as if the mother is taking care of you all mm. the all the uh, you know all the things are taking care in his in his or her presence many people call their guru as amma yeah so amma is nothing but uh, a word for mother so once you start to be in into the mauli tattva the love is all together there with you because if I'm at mother, I'm actually frequency, like resonating at the frequencies of unconditional love. How can I even hate my parent or how can I even hate my partner? Because I'm the mother, right? Mm. I'm the divine form of Mauli. And once that love is there, for an example, many people struggle and think that it should be practiced daily. It should be practiced daily. Self-love, self-love, you should do every day. But it's not a practice to be done. Once you taste it, it's there with you. Mm. It's like that. Once you experience the uh, the liberate the, the the state of liberation or the enlightenment, it's there with you. You know that. So, for an example, from the ch- like from a childhood, once even though parents tell us, okay, you are a male, you are a male, or you are a female, but once that is ingrained with us, I know that I'm a male, right? Yeah. So that's about it. So once you know that you are the expression of love, that's about it. Mm. And no matter if you are not having any money or if you are in a very uh, harmful situations or any conflicting situations, you know that you are love. So why give hate to others? And that is where Santa Naneshwar Maharaj tells us that your love is not the first nature or the second nature or the third nature or even the last nature. It is your nature. Mm. So it is your nature to be Ananda, it is your nature to be loved. So why then we com- we are getting compromised with hate, jealousy, greed, and all the you know all the dramas of life. Basically, yeah. it's basically a drama. It's a yeah. self-created drama. So for that, one needs to go to the sadhana state in which mm. the sharan bhav is there, the surrenderance is there, the satsang should be there, and the sadhana should be there in mm. which the Guru gives to you, the particular path or the lineage gives to you because going to the state of love is nothing but you going inwards and sensing this entire creation and accepting the self, which is the Svikar Bhav. So these four essential qualities are needed to move towards the love. It is not about self-pampering. It can Mm. be an outcome of it, but nowadays what we have been programmed or what 
people are considering self love is that you have so much amount of money so let's spend on some gadgets or yeah. go in a beauty salon yeah. or go for a movies or go for a date or just have a good or goody goody relationship but that is not self love yeah self love is nothing but you are matured enough in which you are always an expression of compassion mm. you are an expression of forgiveness no matter what happens even if a person who has abused you in your childhood stands in front of you even if it's for a male or female you are the expression of love and forgiveness for him and if that happens the world is a great place to be in yeah and that is where the teaching of you know i i'm i'm suddenly getting i remembered one teaching of the buddha he says that the hate cannot be transformed with more hate but it can only be transformed with more love mm-hmm. so to tackle the hate to tackle the jealousy to tackle the injustice which is there in the world the only solution is there that it is the love the vibrations of our true mother unconditional motherhood and if you see all the civilizations has been talking about the mother actually the mm. kundalini is nothing but the divine form yeah. of the mother so a sadhana can only be done if you are a female like a, like the qualities of female not a female yeah. but the mm. qualities of being feminine because the essential qualities of feminine are nothing but caring loving and giving so yeah. if that is there love is just around the corner thank you and in this love yeah no. in this love you feel full you feel whole mm. and with this love all the things can be taken care no thank you thank you so much and i just want to clarify that you're not speaking about being a man or a woman um you're speaking about the energies of a fem- the, the divine feminine right which is unconditional love compassion and this is what all mothers possess when they're in that in that mood of just giving birth for example they will do everything for the child they love the child no matter what happens if it's crying if it's this if it's that it's only giving and giving and giving and there's another quote from the buddha which i absolutely love um he said that he goes there speaking he's like i don't want to go to heaven you go send me to hell because i would rather go to hell and help people who are suffering because i can never suffer and i was I, that's such a beautiful like thought to have like send me to the place where people are suffering because i'm so full i can always help others in their suffering because i can never suffer and i think what you're speaking about there about the this self love and it's a it's a really high level of maturity in my opinion because it's not about pampering yourself with lotions and going to the beauty salon it's about giving giving and giving without any need to receive right and i think this is the whole topic of the conversation we've kind of had is the idea of being able to just give and that unconditional state of i'm so supremely happy that love pours out of me and i think also um the path that you said about the effortless path and it is an effortless feeling like loving somebody there's no thoughts attached like when you're with the person that you love your parents or your 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 partner or your sister or your friends you're not there thinking oh i need to love this person every expression is about loving this person everything that you do is loving this person because it is an effortless journey and i think um we've complicated matters too much human beings you know there are so many complexities and so many thoughts about everything that it seems that we always caught in our web of words and our web of ideas and essentially the spiritual path for me is to as you said earlier to get rid of all the dirt you know to clear all this dirt away and to just um to reveal what is already there which is divine consciousness and that that idea of samya kadarshan is what we would say the true the, the realization of the self so the big question is how um how do we realize ourselves and is it everything that we've been saying or how does that state of consciousness feel and look like and maybe we won't know but our gurus will know our masters will know so instead of me asking you that let me ask you this why is it so important for us having a guru in our life because for me it's it's revolutionary i cannot live without him i couldn't even think of my life what it was like before him so 
what why is the guru so essential let me ask you that instead well even the scriptures can answer you that because all the scriptures are just saying that you get a guru you surrender to the guru and all the necessary aspects will come to you so why guru is needed because basically since uh, the way the human life has been uh, transformed or evolved uh, we are kind of the you know how small babies are they are lost right Mm. and similarly is the case with our human being we are lost in this world and when the guru appears in our in our life we suddenly get a direction we suddenly move from being ignorant towards our own awareness from the darkness to the lightness from you being into the traps of this sansara or into the illusion all this illusion this life is nothing but the illusion and the only true form is under the lotus feet of guru mm. that is what santananeshwar maharaj talks about even when we go and study the scriptures they have been talking the mahima or the greatest stories of how their gurus enlightened themselves mm. so it is nothing but it is actually the reflection of the entire universe in the guru itself all the hidden knowledge all the hidden aspects of life itself it's like a treasure box mm-hmm. which is there with him and with him or her and in one's lifetime it is very necessary to find that treasure form in form of a physical entity mm-hmm. nowadays many people tell us that okay my my guru is my universe but that is a very egoistic thought i can get from where they are coming from but it is very necessary all the scriptures are talking that it is very necessary that of course you can treat universe as your guru but it is very necessary that you have a physical mm. master because the identity that we come that we are born with the genetic patterns that we carry and the karmic bandhans that we carry from many lifetimes it can only and only resolve with the guru's grace mm. the experience of i am or i am that can only be experienced with the guru's grace when we talk about the yogic system or the kundalini system or the even the chakras they can only be activated under the presence of the master mm-hmm. so you experiencing the peak of life you moving away from the traps and illusions from the life you experiencing the reality which is your atma itself mm-hmm. can only be can only be supervised under the physical guidance of a master so for that <clears throat> to achieve a samavartan which is the balanced state of life we need a guru <clears throat> to achieve not only in the spiritual pursuits for an example we need to be coachable we need to understand that in every aspect of life there is someone like a coach or a mentor and we should be surrendered enough or we should be dynamic enough to really surrender towards that person because when we surrender then only the necessary grace can be bestowed upon us so that is that is why we need a guru to surrender to have the grace to experience mm. life because since many lifetimes we are like that small baby we are lost mm. since so many lifetimes we are searching for that true guru which can uh, remove us from the cycle of birth and death like birth and death are nothing but our sanskars it is not about you exiting this body or that is not about it that is the larger picture but what i am referring here when we want to get out of this cycle of birth death it is nothing but our patterns mm. our vicious patterns which trouble us a lot our patterns which we carry from the ancestors so once we are away from those patterns from this dna patterns then we can experience life at exuberant levels no wonderful so to- yeah thank thank you i think about the patterns thing it's kind of like the flight and fight thing that you said earlier about us being caught in this fear and this other we fight we flight and that's a pattern that's been in our ingrained in us since our ancestors and and we need to break these patterns we need to break these cycles and again the guru has the power the experience the the vibration the constant channeling of that spiritual consciousness to 
get us out of there. And, and I think for me as well, um, when I was young, on this path, I never understood, oh, why do I need a guru in my life? I know what I'm doing with my life. I, I know what makes me happy. And he's um, obviously, that's completely transformed now. But that, like he would give such beautiful like suggestions. And you think it's just a suggestion, or it's a commandment or an agana, whatever you want to call it. And it could be so abstract. And all of a sudden, you've completely changed the way you're thinking and now it's, it's complete this way. And sometimes like, you might be saying, oh no, I think I want to go right, for example. Because no, actually, go left, go left again, go around that circle, come three steps back. And all of a sudden you realise, oh, this is better than I actually thought I was going to go. And only with his guidance or with somebody you can see more than you can, right? And I think, um, again, the whole idea of the third eye and, and seeing, I've been obsessed with that since... Um, since young and how to see the world and somebody who can see more than me, I should trust. Like if I'm climbing a mountain and I'm at the bottom and someone's at the top, I should trust in their guidance to get me to the top because I can only see so far. And I think um, a guru is essential for a spiritual existence in my opinion. I don't think it's possible without one because the ego is so, um, it's always there. And it's the ego will always think, make you believe that it's not the ego, but it's actually the ego. So to defeat the ego, you need something else, something more powerful, somebody who has already defeated the ego to be able to guide you, right? Like anything in life, if, if I want to be a football player or a cricketer, I need to learn from somebody who's done it, who's experienced it, who's, who's the best at it. And again, in the spiritual pursuit, if I want to become the highest conscious being that I can possibly be, I need to learn it from somebody who's already experiencing life in that vibration, as you said so beautifully. But Advaita, it's been a really refreshing conversation. Is there anything that we haven't spoken about? Anything that you want to add? Yeah, I would like to add one thing. Uh, what Ramna Maharshi said, it, it, the same question was asked to him by his disciples, how to get liberated. So he gave two answers. The first answer he told that you go on practicing yoga, meditation, mantra, japa, and all these things you keep on doing for your entire life, but yet you will not get the liberation. And the second answer he gave, you find some person who has seen it, who has achieved it, who has, who has been experiencing it all life long. You just be in his or her presence, and then the Upanishad will automatically happen to you. The download will automatically happen to you. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I think there's nothing to add after that. So thank you Advit, so much for coming on my podcast. Um, it's been a real pleasure. And when I'm in Mumbai, or whenever that is after COVID, I would love to meet up and we can actually have another conversation in person. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Kishan. And thank you, Third Eye Podcast. Third Eye View, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. So for inviting me for the and giving the time to actually share the wisdom, to communicate, to connect. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Have a great day. Cheers.